Exacto. Ladies and gentlemen, we are tonight. We are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is the main event of the evening. Please welcome your host for today. Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? Look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for... The Rundown. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, unintentionally offensive wrestling podcast. Today, Troy is here, and with me, Jason is here. And with us, oh. Nope. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I do think we should clarify, because the way you say that in the opening, it sounds like it's the unintentionally, no, no, and intentionally offensive. Oh, yes, that's true. That's like, true. we shoot for that shit. Right. And speaking of being offensive, we've been putting on a little tournament lately to crown the hottest female talent for the Rundown Wrestling Network. Now, <clears throat> Monday, you may have listened to an episode with the one and only retrosexual Anthony Green, where we found a brand new Platinum Honey in Mandy Rose. Now, will she make it all the way to the championship matchup? Only you can decide. So, we before, have, we, before uh, we get into the results, we should throw out a big thank you to uh, Retrosexual Anthony Green for joining us on that episode as well. Once again, uh, picked it up at, on very quick notice <laughs> and was more than accommodating, so we certainly want to send a shout-out to him. Thank you very much. I thanked him in person the other night at the wrestling show where I saw him, where I was working, and uh, you know he, he seemed to enjoy himself. So, uh, it's... It was, it was a great experience all around, but want to send out a thank you one more time to him. Yeah. If you haven't listened to the episode, go back and go ahead and check it out. Um, obviously, our decisions might differ a little bit from your decisions. So let's get into it. Our first matchup, the one that kicked us all off, was Ronda Rousey against Chelsea Green. And by a vote of 17 to 13... Chelsea Green is moving on. Wow, upset in the first round. Look at that. That's right. All right. Then Friday, we dropped our second day of voting, and it was Tony Storm versus Aaliyah. And a vote of 18 to 9, twice the amount of votes. Tony Storm. Tony, Tony Storm. <laughs> so. Aaliyah's only shot was for that to be a close one. <laughs> yeah, it's very much so. Saturday night is all right for fighting. And we had a little bit of a fight as Alexa Bliss took on Deanna Perrazzo uh, with a vote of 20 to 3. <laughs> Alexa Bliss moves on. Poor Deanna. Poor Deanna. Sunday night saw our closest matchup. Carmella, Maria Canellis, 
Carmelo, we should say, was a definite favorite of AG. He won. He, he had a hard time eliminating her with a vote of eleven to ten. Oh, F A B U L O U S, Carmella, take it home. Is there any truth to the rumor that Corey Graves was the deciding vote? He might have been. I'd have to look up his uh, IP address, but it still d- depends on where it was. Monday night dropped. Becky Lynch versus Tabita Snuka. <laughs> By a vote of 16 to 3, Becky Lynch takes it. Who the fuck are the three people that voted for Tamina? I don't know. But three people thought Tamina Snuka were hotter than Becky. Hey, it's subjective, man. Beauty is in the eye of the beer holder. I will say and, that that was a very nice picture of Tamina you put up on the website, so that could have misled some people. You know, I I try to make it as fair as possible. I try to obviously it's it's going to be what catches my eye as well. You know, so it's going it's going to be pictures that I think are attractive. Um, now, for some of these ladies, it was a little bit more difficult, not because they're not attractive, but just because there's not as many pictures up there. Right. Now, if you're looking for a picture of say. Nikki Bella, there are billions of them. Right. <laughs> if you're looking for pictures of Nina Samuels, it's a little harder to find. Or Nikki Cross, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our final matchup in the, uh, for the first week of voting, Marina Shafir versus Nikki Bella. By a vote of 13-6, to 6, Nikki Bella moves on. Yeah. Despite someone's best efforts. <laughs> well, you know. So yeah, that means that we are we have finished our first six matchups. We've got six more matchups this week, and we start things off tonight with Lacey Evans versus Tegan Knox. Then head back over to the Rundown Rest- to RundownWrestling.com. I always want to put the in between. Go to RundownWrestling.com on Friday uh, to vote for Bailey versus Ginny. Saturday we'll see Stephanie McMahon versus Lacey Lane. Sunday night will be Rachel Evers versus Zaya Brookside. Monday will be Nina Samuels versus Ruby Riot. And Tuesday will be Dakota Kai versus Brie Bella. And then, of course, next week we will have the winners of those matchups. So some very interesting matchups there. Um, some people that maybe people might not be as familiar with. So, again, try to find the best pictures I could. Was it Jeez. Rachel Evers or Rachel Ellering? Because after watching NXT, I'm not sure. So I was confused by that, too. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, of course, uh, yesterday's NXT Revisited, I did mention the fact that they, they said Rachel Ellering, even though she's listed as Rachel Evers on the website and through everything else, it appears. That's her WWE name. So a little odd. Um, was I wrong? Was that Rachel Evers that came out as well to help? I don't think that was her that came out. Um, okay. I couldn't tell. Then they didn't, they didn't say who it was. Yeah. I so didn't. I was like, all right. Not 100%. They didn't get like a great camera shot of her, but it didn't look like her. Yeah, I didn't recognize the ring gear or anything of that either. So, But yeah, so make sure to come back every day to vote in the Rundown Wrestling Network's hottest female talent tournament, rundownwrestling.com. It is time to discuss All Jews Must Die. Yeah, we really need kick- to stop calling at that, please. <laughs> All right. Elimination Chamber took place on this past Sunday. We made some picks. A lot of us were wrong, but 
that's okay because it's time to talk about it. Um, we had the Cruiserweight Championship match. Um, sorry, we had a Big E and Xavier Woods promo featuring a Cruiserweight Championship oh, match. <laughs> I will say this, um, the only the only part I was okay with about that was that at one point they came out. She, it, it was I think it was Kayla Braxton. She's like, I'm looking for Kofi and. Woods and Biggie come out, and Kofi Woods is like, Kofi is indisposed, and Biggie's like, Yeah, he's in there with his rat. <laughs> great. Yeah, <clears throat> that's he's you know, yeah. give it up to the new day. Uh, but Buddy Murphy was able to retain over Kira Tozawa in what was a, a perfectly acceptable cruiserweight match. Oh, that was a really really good match. Actually, it was one of the better matches in terms of work on the show. On the show, yeah, but, uh, you know, for for the Cruiserweights. Yeah, I mean, it lacked in suspense, because I think we all knew Buddy Murphy was not losing that title. (laughs) So much so that every single one of us picked it. Yeah. Well, not (laughs) Sal. That's true. Sal chose Oklahoma. Uh, So even even despite all of our fake Sal picks, he did go on the website and make his picks. I did count them. So we we have run down Sal. Who got a big old zero, and we got normal Sal, who made who got who got a couple right. Um, not going in order, just going in order of, what, of where the sheet says. The women's tag team championships were taken place or were on the line to this, crown the inaugural champions. I, I put it in the actual order, so this. Oh, is, it is okay. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, the elimination chamber, our first one of the night, um, to crown the new inaugural women's tag team champions. We do know now at this point that these championships will be defended on Raw, SmackDown, potentially 205 Live if they get some wigs, and NXT as well, which is really fucking cool because that does mean that the, that the Ass Pirates do get an opportunity for the titles. So they ain't going to win them, but at least they get an opportunity for them. Um, or maybe they'll, maybe Bailey and Sasha will enter the Dusty Rhodes Invitational Classic. Hey, I mean... More on that later, though. Yeah, I mean, no other real teams are in it, so... Uh, this matchup was uh, Nia Jackson Tamina versus the Riot Squad versus Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville versus the Iconics versus Bailey and Sasha Banks versus Naomi and Carmella. Now, there was some really cool moments in this match, and there were other moments that were just okay. And there were some downright sloppy moments in this match. Yeah. So there were... Um, Two things that stand out to me before I, I send it over to you. Um, I enjoyed the Naomi and Carmella elimination. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy Kay rolling them up and then Peyton Royce laying on top of Naomi was That's amazing. Yeah, I really yeah. I popped for that. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, so Naomi and Carmella wind up being the first people eliminated, and one would have to question if potentially Naomi's backwards driving may have played a part played a role in that um in them being eliminated first now they lasted a long time um but them entering second to last and then being <laughs> the first team eliminated was maybe a little suspicious uh well i mean they lasted longer than jeff hardy did in the men's one but we'll get to that that's true um billy kane peyton royce then were taken out by uh stereo samoan drops by nia jackson tamina um, the Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan were taken up by Tamina after a Superfly splash. Uh, Tamina and well, Nia Jax. Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, uh, she I fell. Know. She fell on them. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Tamina was then pinned by Sasha Banks, Bailey, Mandy Rose, and Sonya Deville <laughs> after Bailey hit a diving elbow. Uh, then Sonya Deville was taken out by Sasha Banks via the Banks statement, and the winners, Bailey and Sasha Banks, as the inaugural champions. Now, there was the other other aspect of this I was going to say before we get to to your take on it. There was a nice callback to the last elimination chamber um, that featured Sasha Banks and Bailey, where. Sasha Banks was on top of one of the um, the pods, and in the last elimination chamber, Bailey was climbing up, and Sasha kicked her the fuck off of it. Whereas this time she was up there, and Bailey does the same thing. But of course, they're taking partners, so Sasha grabs her and pulls her all the way up. Just a nice little uh, little callback. I, I felt, you know, definitely they they kind of played up on the exact positioning and everything like that. So. Um, but what did what did you feel about the first elimination chamber match? Um, so like I said, there there was definitely some sloppy moments. Uh, what I would say is the thing that I take from it is some really memorable um, and enjoyable moments. Uh, for example, the iconics locking themselves in the pods to avoid yeah. um, the Nia Jackson Tamina, and then sort of the struggle to get the get the pod open by the other two. Uh, I thought that was uh, done really well. Correct me, who won last year's Elimination Chamber? Uh, let me take a look. For the women. Because I know it wasn't Mandy Rose, I know it wasn't Sonya Deville, I know it wasn't Bailey, and I know it wasn't Sasha Banks, yet the announcers said, oh, this is the same Final Four we had in the women's match last year. And I'm thinking to myself, how is that possible since none of them won it? Well, Alexa Bliss was the winner. Well, there you go. That's what I thought. But, uh, Sa- Sasha Banks was the last one. Bailey right. was the second last one. Mickey James would have been the other yeah, one. So they were completely full of shit. Yeah. Uh, all right. Anyway, um, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking turn of events that the WWE announcers were full of shit. All right. Uh, in any event, yeah, there was some other great stuff in this thing. You mentioned the the Iconics double pin. Uh, that was tremendous. But the one that stood out for me, and I'm going to point this out because I feel like we give this woman a ton of shit, Nia Jax running through the pod. Yeah. And I give her credit because she didn't pull this shit at all. She went full bore and took that fucking hit for the sake of putting over this match, and she did a hell of a job in doing so. So hats off to her. That was not a very comfortable bump to take, I'm sure. And she just fucking did it like a boss. So good on her. Um, and, and I think ultimately I was a little surprised they went with the the winners that they did, but you know, all things considered, I guess if you're going to travel around all three brands, those are probably the two to do it because they have the history in NXT. It makes more sense. Well, I think I think that that's the exact reason. I think that Bailey and Sasha do pop um, ratings a little bit, at least in terms of who is in this match. Um, so they they seem to be the biggest draw out of any of them. So I understand that that sense. Obviously, um, it looks like their first challenger will be the Samoan Twat team, but we'll see. Um, because they obviously now with it being that they can go on any brand, it really opens things up where they could potentially have a feud against the Samoan Twat team on Mondays, and then a feud against Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville on Tuesdays, and then a feud against the Sky Pirates on Wednesdays. Yep. You know, they could have simultaneous feuds going on. And then it could always com- culminate in a fatal four-way match or something like that. Yeah, you know? yeah absolutely. No, all, all in all, I thought, if, I, if I'm if i giving this a grade, it was a good, solid B-minus. 
was brought down because there's black people in it or what? No, no, no. It was brought down <laughs> there, there were some pretty sloppy moments. Uh, I hearken back to Mandy Rose trying to pretend to get her foot stuck in the chain link and then actually getting her foot stuck in the chain link and then hanging upside down from her foot, and I thought she broke her ankle. So it was not the, the most uh, easy moment to watch. I mean, we, we didn't have anyone take their necklace off and jam it in the door. So Yeah, that was good. That was unless always, there was that. Yeah, that's always an improvement. Mm-hmm. Our next matchup, the SmackDown Tag Team Championships were on the line as The Miz and Shane McMahon took on The Usos. <laughs> Um, now, I and everyone else was very surprised by the outcome of this match. Um, a, a quick roll-up um, of, I think it was The Miz, right? Uh, crucifix of, on The Miz. <clears throat> yeah, the Crucifix on, on The Miz. And the Usos are your like 14-time SmackDown Tag Team Champions. I was surprised right up until I read that The Usos are going to be free agents soon. And I thought, oh, oh, that's why. <laughs> well, and correct me if I'm wrong, though, but... The last time they won the title, wasn't it very shortly after Jay got arrested for drunk driving? I think it was. <laughs> so I think, the, I think the trend here for the Usos is get caught drunk driving, get a championship. There you go. You know, if they ever want to go solo, one of them should just kill the other brother, and they'll be WWE champion. Or, or you know, you could always kill a hooker in a hotel room and be a Hall of Famer. That's so. true, too. Uh, I don't have much to say about this match because it was... I thought it was kind of cool, the storytelling in this one, because it was very clear that the route they were going was The Miz was sort of egging on Shane McMahon to take all the risks while The Miz was wrestling very safely, if mm-hmm. and not as much. Um, and, and Shane, it was just risk after... It sort of reminded me of when they were on the Survivor Series team together. Just, yeah. no, 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 Shane, go do this. No, Shane, go do that. And then the Miz loses with a very simple crucifix. Uh, obviously, to set stuff up uh, going down the road. Now we know that they're going to have a rematch at Fastlane. But I thought it was a nice little bit of storytelling here, and I was surprised by the end. So they get bonus points for that because it doesn't happen all that often. So yeah, right. I, all in all, I was pretty happy with this match. <clears throat> yeah, well, I know that uh, Meltzer had said that there was not going to be any titles that changed hands, but you know, plans change. Right. Uh, <clears throat> our next match was. The nonsensical Intercontinental Championship match, where Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush took on Finn Balor, despite the fact that Bobby Lashley is a champion, and he didn't actually have to be pinned because this was a weird tag team match. So the heels had the two-on-one advantage, so it sort of fits. I, I guess so, but you know, it doesn't make any sense when your your GM is, or your your showrunner is supposed to be a face. Are they? I don't even fucking know what they are. Nobody knows. Nobody does. They don't even know at this point. Um, so this match was the only reason that every single person didn't have the exact same amount of correct answers in the predictions. Uh... <laughs> because everyone else either got everyone everyone got like the WWE Championship match, the Royal Women's <laughs> Championship match, um, and the Cruiserweight Championship match, correct. Everyone else then got the rest of the matches wrong other than me and Adam choosing Finn Balor to win this one. So that, I thought, was the funniest thing. Also, there was multiple different answers in the Women's Day Team Championship match, and nobody picked Bailey and Sasha Banks. <laughs> <laughs> that includes 
um, the the great people on our website who decided to vote, such as Mike Smathers, John Venrig, Big Kane, and Bruno Tomas. So thank you guys for for getting out there and making your picks. Um, all four of you and Sal tied with Jason and Jeff with three correct answers. Like I said, me and Adam tied with four correct answers. So, uh, but but uh, getting back to the the show proper here. Um, so the the match, you know, Finn is is a star, and it sucks that he has to be put in certain situations. But this match I thought was decent. Um, it ended with uh, with a coup de gras on Leo Rush and the pin by Finn Balor becoming the new champion. And then after the match, Bobby Lashley got a little upset. And proceeded to beat the ever-loving piss out of Leah Rush, but apparently forgave him the next night. Yeah, I don't think he should have forgave him unless he could beat his sisters. There you go. <laughs> that should have been the, that should have been the trade-off there. Yeah, it was yeah. a surprising end for me at least. I didn't think they would uh, go this route with Finn this early. I sort of figured we'd move towards Mania with Kevin Owens coming back for his revenge on Lashley. I was clearly wrong about that. Looks like Kevin Owens has a different dance partner for WrestleMania, if you believe the reports. Um, but for now, Finn Balor's the Intercontinental Champion. I I hate when you do situations like this because, yeah, Finn Balor won the Intercontinental title, but he didn't actually beat the champion, and I hate when you do that. He beat, like, the little, <laughs> the little guy who he's supposed to be able to beat. Like... Right. I don't think that makes Finn look any better. I don't think that helps his character at all. I think it makes it look like a fluke that he's a champion, and I hate that shit. Yeah, I I agree. And all they had to do was just have him pin Bobby Lashley. You could you could still tease a little dissension between Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley by you know having it be that Lashley gets pissed off at Rush because he doesn't help him or something like that. But yeah, and I also don't know because. Like I said, on on Monday they were right back to being buddies again. So, like, why why do this? Why why have Lashley beat the piss out of him? It's like it's like anybody who's like a two hundred five live guy on Raw or SmackDown, um, it just uh, loves getting the shit kicked out of him. Like the Singh brothers, they got the shit kicked out of them on a fucking weekly basis, and we never got a payoff to it. Yeah, well, Randy Orton did almost kill him, so. Yeah, well, I guess. Stupid! Stupid! <laughs> uh, so the next match was the Raw Women's Championship match. Ronda Rousey defended against Ruby Riot, and they did Ruby Riot dirty here. No, they did in not. In my opinion. <sighs> don't, don't give her this, this match if you're just going to have it be a squash match. Don't, because... She wasn't involved in any of the fucking storyline going into this match. She was thrown into it, and then she got taken out in, what, a fucking minute? Yep, and that's exactly what they should have done. But, like, I don't know. You, then put somebody else in it. Like, Ruby Riot is supposed to be the leader of the White Riot Squad, which is supposed to be, like, a, a legit team. You know? Put put her against somebody. I don't know. I just It just annoyed me, the fact that they, like... I, I get it, it's Ronda, but it's like, well, if if it's true that Ronda's leaving, well, then you just fucked over Ruby Ryan for no reason. Why? 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 What? Do you, how, why did they fuck her over? Because I, I expected her to at least go longer than that. 
it's it's a one minute fucking squash match for somebody who's who's supposed to be a a star that you're trying to establish okay and then the next night she went 15 minutes or so or whatever it was 10 minutes whatever it was i don't know i i just i don't get that logic of oh well she lost in a squash so she's ruined like no. I didn't say she was. Ru- I don't. I didn't say she was. They didn't ruined. do her She's, dirty. Not... They didn't ruin her. They they built up Ronda. They Ronda's the focal point going into Mania. Ronda should be winning like that. That's Ronda's character. Ronda is a badass. Ronda is a destroyer. That's how Ronda won matches in UFC. So they're playing into Ronda's character. Ruby will have another day. Ruby had a day the next night. Now I don't think the match was great the next night, and I think ultimately this match ended up being the better of the two. Um, but I, I, I don't, again, and, and we've talked about it on the show before and we've uh, saying we're, we're seeing it now with Kofi. There is no such thing as ruining someone or doing them dirty. There, it's so easy to bring someone back. And I thought they brought Ruby back the next night. So I don't think this needs to be something we worry about going for. Like sometimes, whether it be for time, whether it be for story purposes, Somebody like might get squashed, and it's okay. It happens. The only time I get frustrated with that stuff is, for example, when they when they had uh, Kane go over Finn Balor in like a minute and a half or something on Raw at one point. It's like, well, well, okay, sure, if you're building Kane to something, but they weren't even at that point. So it was just like fucking there. Yeah. Um, shit like that, yeah. But, I mean, Ronda's about to be part of the first women's match to main event WrestleMania, so she should be looking fucking dominant. Okay, so this this brings me to um, the second part of this, which I had I, I didn't have a problem with uh, with the segment after this. What I had a problem with was the internet, okay. because so after Ronda Ronda wins, Becky Lynch comes out on crutches. Charlotte comes out. Becky proceeds to beat the ever loving piss out of both of them with crutches. Now, <clears throat> she deeply bruised Charlotte's arm with a crutch mm-hmm. and and busted Ronda Rousey open. Inches, she in- inches away from her eye. From her eye. She injured two people, and nobody said a word. Nope. Brie Bella accidentally kicked someone in the head and gave him a concussion, and everyone was like, fire that bitch. They wanted her fucking beheaded. They wanted her gone. Nia Jax broke Becky Lynch's face with with one punch, and everyone wanted her fired. Everyone says she's the most. Why is Why is Becky not being held to the same standard? Because they like Becky. Yeah, That's and it. it's ridiculous. It's it's com- it's complete bullshit that nobody is saying like, hold on a second here. Like there was no fucking reason for her to take that crutch and put so much force behind it that you bruised somebody and almost fucking made somebody potentially miss their WrestleMania match by slamming them in the fucking face with it. So if you believe Meltzer, and I don't know how many of us actually do, uh, regularly at least, what he is reporting is that it was Ronda's call and Ronda told Becky, hit me as hard as you fucking can with that thing, we're going to make it look good. Um, And that's fine. You can hit her as far... It's like anything else in wrestling... You can hit her as hard as you fucking want in a safe place. Hitting her in the fucking head full force with a crutch is not a safe place to hit her with that thing. Um, 
you know, it, she got that gash. She also got checked for a concussion. <clears throat> yeah. And if she has a concussion and that match doesn't happen at Mania, oh boy. Yeah. That was just dumb on Becky's part to not be more responsible. It's it's Becky's moment that she's t- she's risking by being so sort of reckless out there. Yeah. Um, but but I'm going to say the same thing here that I said when it was Brie Bella, and the same thing I said when it was Nia Jax. It ain't fucking ballet. Shit happens. People get hurt accidentally. It's not like a situation where Becky went out there really and took liberties. She just got overzealous in the moment, and that happens, yeah. and it's unfortunate. <laughs> but it's a byproduct of a competitive environment where there are people screaming and you're trying to look as realistic as possible. Because if she doesn't lay that shit in, you get Ronda on Raw missing Ruby Riot wildly with a punch while Ruby takes the bump, and it looks fucking awful. So, you know, I, I can't, I'm not going to get on. Becky too hard for it, and like you said, the the issue is not so much with Becky, it's with the internet. Be consistent. If you don't like, you can't cry foul at somebody not being safe when you dislike them, and then when somebody you like is unsafe, then give them a pass. Right. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say on that, because... That's that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, Baron Corbin beat Braun Strowman. So after that, <laughs> <laughs> do we have to say something about this match? Well, I so what? First off, we didn't know why the fuck we're doing this match, okay? Um, but then over and above all of that, we're now back. After weeks of not playing up the Baron Corbin, uh, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre alliance, all of a sudden we're we're back to to them being friends. Okay, there's one thing. Uh, Lashley wrestled on the show. To borrow a phrase from being the elite, why is Drew McIntyre in full fucking gear? Yeah. I, I don't fucking get that. Like, he's not on the show. He's not working a match. There is zero fucking <laughs> reason for him to be in full fucking gear. Um, but that's sort of one of those things that they do, and it, it just sort of, you just sort of have to live with it. That's what I sort of like about what the women, the Becky Lynch didn't show up to the fucking ring in her fucking gear. Right. They don't do that with the women. They have the women in street clothes on a fairly regular basis, and I think it actually helps them. But that's a different discussion, I guess. Um, the thing that resonated with me so much during this match, during all well, this match, I guess, is what kind of a fucking cunt is Kurt Angle? Like, Braun Strowman's been out here saving Kurt Angle's ass week after week against these guys. They all jump him and nothing. And all you had to do to solve this problem in commentary was like, well, if Kurt Angle was here, I'm sure he'd be out helping him, but he's on a media tour for WWE. Something very simple simple in commentary to make that case. They, yeah. they skipped that part, and instead it just made Kurt look like an asshole. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got, man. I I tend to just block out these things at this point. Anytime Baron Corbin shows up, I just like, you know. <sighs> oh, sorry. I just I fell asleep while saying his name. Sorry. Uh, uh, following following this match, this it's always weird to me when you get multiple segments on a pay per view because it just feels like an extended raw at that point. 
Because then, like, Lacey Evans shows up. You're just like, we're doing more shit? Like, let's just get to the matches, man. And I get it. Lacey Evans is supposed to be the fucking new big thing or whatever like that, but she is garbage. She (laughs) also looked really stupid. She just, like, walks out halfway, doesn't say anything, doesn't do anything, and then just turns around and walks away. No explanation from the announcers, nothing. Yeah. The fuck was the point of that? It's It's this weird notion that, like... As as long as that that Vince seems to believe that as long as you see a worker, like that makes it makes them memorable. But well, like, it is it. There is something to be said for the fact that it always helps to to be in front of the crowd. Yeah, People. but you have to do something memorable, <laughs> so that but you have to do something more than just walk out there and turn back around and walk. Because first of all, you're just going to confuse your fucking audience, and second of all, like that's not a good lasting impression. You want, if you want Lacey Evans to be a badass, then you need to have it where like she, like randomly fucking walks through the back and finds one of the women and just beats the ever living piss out of them. That's not, something memorable. Doesn't even have to be that, Troy. Doesn't even have to. All you had yeah. to do is ever say something. <laughs> have Charlie Caruso out there. Have Charlie yeah. Caruso out there. Lacey comes out and says, "I'm not talking to you. You're one of the nasties," and leave. That's it. Yeah. You've sold yeah. the character. You've sold the, nothing. Yeah. You definitely don't have, you know... I mean, it's the same thing with EC3 just showing up and fucking flexing in the back. Maybe they like, didn't have her talk because they haven't decided if she's going to have that horrible accent anymore. Oh, my God. It's worse than Lana's. All right. <sighs> Let's go on to the WWE World Championship Elimination Chamber match. Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, Jeff Hardy, Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton, and Samoa Joe. Uh, so... As is tradition, Samoa Joe was the first eliminated. Uh, AJ Styles took him out with a phenomenal forearm. Jeff Hardy was out was out next after a running knee from Dana Bryan. AJ Styles fell to an RKO from Randy Orton. Uh, Randy Orton then got pinned by Kofi Kingston with a trouble in paradise. Uh, then Kofi Kingston lost to Dana Bryan by a running knee, and Dana Bryan remains WWE champion. So, first off, Samoa Joe was made to look strong in this thing, despite the fact that he didn't. He was the first one eliminated. So, um, that that I was okay with. Jeff Hardy, I guess Jeff Hardy was basically in there to do the swanton off the top of the pod. Yeah, pretty much. That seemed to pretty much be it. He just was there for that spot and then done. Um, but I mean, this match had a little bit of everything. You had all the. Got, you built stories. Clearly, it's going to be AJ and, and Orton heading into Mania, which I'm fine with. Um, and we know what happened later, and we'll talk about it later with Kofi. Um, but just the drama uh, of the Kofi and, and Daniel Bryan exchange, I thought, was tremendous. I think it really sold the importance of this match for Kofi. Uh, I, I think he came out of this looking like a million bucks, even in defeat. Uh, and obviously, the crowd has sort of changed the direction a little bit of where they're going now in terms of Daniel Bryan, but um, yeah, there's there's nothing that I can really complain about in this one. I thought this was done really well. Yeah, um, I thought it was uh, it was interesting that both chambers were won by the very first entrance. Uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks started the ring. Daniel Bryan started the ring. Um, so that was kind of kind of interesting. Just not meaningful in any manner, but just interesting to me. Um, I enjoyed that Kofi kind of got his revenge on Randy Orton. Um, well, that was on, that was on SmackDown. 
Yeah, but he got his revenge on him on this as well because he got to take him out. Yeah, so. I guess. Um, but uh, yeah, then obviously you know the the whole Kofi Kingston thing. He just was a random dude that they threw into into this last week, and the crowd just instantly got behind him, which was crazy when you think about. Um, and and yeah, I mean Kofi's one of those guys where. You know, this is obviously paying off for him now because we will we'll find out on Tuesday that you know he's he's in line for a title shot now at at Fastlane. So, um, but the the chamber itself, um, I like the fact that they never updated the picture. There's still Mustafa Ali's picture on the poster. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the chamber match was to me interesting enough. Um, chamber matches have never really been all that big to me. Just kind of a weird thing, and the the gimmick itself really got hurt by that god awful IC match a couple of years ago, um, <laughs> which still just brings back bad memories of me. And obviously some of the other things too, like I said, the Sheamus thing from from before. Um, and it's another one of those matches where I wish that we didn't have a pay per view built around it, yeah. because. Back in the day, it was we've got too many contenders. What do, what do we do with all of them? Oh, I got it. So let's put them in a fucking chamber. You know, it's the same kind of thing with Hell in a Cell. It used to be that that Hell in a Cell was just these big fucking like blood feuds. We this is the only way we can sell it. Now it's like, ooh, who's gonna say I'll see you in Hell this week? Yeah. You know, it's a gimmick so, that needs a match rather than a match that needs a gimmick. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, but yeah, I. I thought, uh, in terms of the eliminations, they were fine. Um, this kind of cements that AJ Styles is moving away from the title picture, so because he really wasn't anywhere near this one that much, so um, which is probably good for him for a little bit. Obviously, he'll be back. We know he's going to be back, right? Um, but yeah, it's it's good because we get a chance. Actually, Meltzer says he's going to get shake, shaken up to Raw, so yeah, probably. But you know, if he doesn't, plan change. Um, so anything else you have to say about Elimination Chamber before we go into uh, I think the highlight the of Elimination show. Chamber for me was that it was over at 10.30. I can't remember <laughs> the last time a WWE pay-per-view ended at 10.30. It was amazing. <laughs> that was kind of odd. Um, considering that the Chamber match is obviously both of them on a half hour, so you know that's a, that's a big hour of your show. They just, the rest of the matches just didn't have anything really going on. Yeah, no. Uh, so... We're going to move right into a little thing we like to... Oh, no. We might have to rename this if he, if he gets fired. What's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little something we like to call... The Perfect Ten! A ten! A ten! A fucking ten! We start out the Perfect Ten with a... You get a call-up. You get a call-up. Everyone gets a call-up. As if our previous round of call-ups, who still don't have a home, weren't enough, we got the call-up of... well in a little bit of a different way, Alistair Black, Ricochet, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampo. Ah. <laughs> My whole thing moved because you did that. Um, so we learned that these four individuals will not only be on Raw, but on SmackDown and on NXT, which is, for that as an idea, like, okay, I get that, but here's the problem. Two of those shows are live. One of them is not. Right. <laughs> Which means things are going to get really fucking confusing on NXT. 
Um, and which this wouldn't be a problem, you know, if we actually did some like long term booking and writing where you could work things into certain episodes of NXT and have it coincide, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, if you, you know, NXT for sure, I mean, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gagano have a, a uneasy alliance, but yet on Raw and SmackDown, they seem to be best of friends. So it was DIY again. Yeah. So that so it's going to be a little fucking weird. And I feel like there should be more continuity, but there's not going to be. No, I mean <laughs> first off, this is a horrible time to call anyone up because you're you're in the middle of your WrestleMania build. You've got a ton of guys you already have to find stuff for. Uh there's a reason that the formula has been call guys up after WrestleMania, because it allows them to sort of gain a foothold for a little bit before the next major pay per view. Um, and then to do it with these four guys, and you mentioned we still don't know what what's going on with Heavy Machinery. We still don't know where EC3 is. We know where he wasn't, and that's on a fucking show this week. Yeah. Um, it, it just seemed like such a cluster. Um, I, and I think it does definitely hurts EC3's long term chances because he's now not the new hotness, if you will. Um, so. I also didn't like the presentation of some of them. Alistair Black's presentation on Raw was just atrocious. Yeah. Uh, Michael Cole, I believe, referring to him as Moody Blue Collar Alistair Black. Yeah. Like, no, he's none of those things. He's never been any of those things. Right. Um, just terrible. Yeah. Uh, First of all, he doesn't look blue collar. No, not at all. No. Yeah. So here's here's the the flip side of this as well now. So, what do we do after Mania, night after Mania? Because you've now called up the four biggest guys in NXT. Two, so what two the, of what whom, the, by the way, appear to be set to face off at TakeOver Mania. Yes. Spoiler alert. Uh, so, yeah. It's not really so, a spoiler. They've been building that angle for a yeah. while. Well, yeah. So, obviously, yeah, that's another thing, too, is, like, DIY's best of friends on Raw SmackDown. They're going to turn at each other pretty soon. Um but yeah, so now, like, are you going to call up more people after the night after Mania? Because that's a fucking mistake. Right. And then we've got a superstar shakeup the next week after that. No, I, gotta, I, I have to think these are the call-ups for the... These are the post-Mania call-ups. Okay, but then... Early. How do you how do you pop the crowd at post-Mania, then? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, so that, but that, they, that, they got to leave some talent down there, so I can't imagine anyone else is coming up at this point. Oh, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? You're going to fucking bring up Velveteen Dream? Well, now you've got the fucking champion again. <laughs> so, right. like, yeah. So you've, you've now taken that out of the equation. Unless you've got some big fucking signing that you made that's coming back the night after Mania for both Raw and SmackDown. I, I suppose like, unless you wanted to bring up, like, Baszler and, and the, the Horsewomen. I mean, I suppose yeah. you might get away with that. Yeah, I don't know that that pops, and they for sure are not ready. Right. Uh, but well, Basil yeah. probably is, but yeah, the other two definitely for sure are not. No, not at all. But yeah, the but then, the, the, the yeah. Ricochet presentation, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about. I thought they did a better job with all. The, shockingly enough, they did a better job with all the in-ring stuff on SmackDown. Um, the only issue I had in terms of SmackDown was when you take all four of these guys and you got to find a spot for them on SmackDown, what ends up happening is nobody else got a fucking whiff of anything on SmackDown. It was like those matches and then the main event for the build for the, the rematch from the Chamber, and that was it. 
Well, you forgot you forgot another match on on SmackDown. But we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so let's let's go through it. So Ricochet winds up teaming with Finn Balor against Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush. Um, of course, they get the win. Uh, Gargano and Ciampa face up against the Revival and beat the tag team champions. Um, and then Alistair Black faces up against Elias and beats him. You, you didn't say it. The, f- the first week after winning the tag titles, they defeat the Revival. So. Oh, yes, yes. You remember, remember last week when you said, oh, are we going to say unfuck the Revival? And I said, well, let's let's wait a little bit on that. Yeah, <laughs> hashtag fuck the Revival. Because you had... You had your tag team champions in their in their not defense, but their first match, they lost. Yeah, okay, I'm okay with that because of who they lost to. These are guys that are obviously going to be a big deal. Yeah, my bigger issue is the logic that governs Bobby Roode and Chad Gable being upset that someone else got a non-title match with the champions. Yeah, why the fuck do they care? Like, I can understand them being pissed if it was a title match. Like yeah, we mm-hmm. were the former champions. We should be we should be in the front of the line. But no, it was a non-title match. What the fuck do you care? Right. Um, I just really then, w- I, I found myself really wishing Jason Jordan was healthy because if you got American Alpha DIY and Revival all together in the same roster, oof. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, over on SmackDown, Aleister Black got to face Andrade and beat him. DIY got to face off against the bar. I guess the Usos weren't available. And they beat them. And then Ricochet defeated Eric Young, who apparently still exists. So, of well, course... The you Usos know, were on SmackDown. Yeah, but they didn't wrestle. No. But... They, did, they didn't lose in their first match after winning the championships. No. No, that we only saved that for uh, Fuck the Revival and for Asuka. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so... Obviously, you're going to bring these guys up. You're going to have them win left and right. That's fine. Um, having them beat some guys like this, you know, Alistair Black beating Andrade, no big deal. Um, for those of you at home who just heard that, that's Jason getting upset because my bucks are curb-stomping his Celtics. Um, <laughs> well, when you're allowed to foul people with no calls, you know. Yeah, well, you guys had that for years, so. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be bitching over there. Kevin Garnett was able to rape dudes on things on on stage. So yeah, you might want to check the scoreboard there, Chico. All right, let's roll. <laughs> I don't really care. It's the regular season. It doesn't matter. Um. So yeah. So in terms of what they're doing with these guys, um, yeah, the in-ring stuff was obviously was much more of the WWE style of things than the NXT style of things. Yeah. We know that's going to be a thing. But this uh, is the problem. This is why these guys don't get over. They get over being presented as a certain way, and then you call them up and present them completely differently, and they're bland, and the crowd is left flat because they know what these guys can do, and they're not allowed to do it. And it's fucking frustrating. And part of the reports as to why these call-up happened was because Vince is really frustrated with the ratings dip and things like that, and he thought he wanted to breathe some new life, and he thought... The guys he has are stale. Well, this is the reason they're stale. They don't have to be stale. You have amazing workers. Take the fucking reins off these guys, no pun intended, and let them do what they can do. Then they won't be stale. You're making them stale. Yeah, that's always been the kind of thing. It's like, okay, well, yeah, the, you know, like you said, they, they're stale. Well, you were able to, you can cock ring fall off. 
um, you were <laughs> you were able to take somebody that wasn't even on the fucking show for a couple of weeks in a row, Becky Lynch, and turn her into a star. You're able to take Kofi Kingston, a guy who's the forgotten third member of New Day, and turn him into a legit threat. It's all about the writing. So if if things are stale, if you don't think people are are main event material, that's on you, buddy. That's on you and your writing staff. So, you know, yeah. And there's a reason why you're starting to get some of these guys turning around and asking for their release. Because you've got some of these guys who are like, I could be better if they just let me do stuff. Like Ty Dillinger, like Zack Ryder, like The Revival and stuff like that. So, yeah, of course they're going to ask for their release because they're sitting there and going, you can make me a star tomorrow. You just choose not to. Right. So, you know... So yeah, and uh, again, if you're you also need to have your people present things. Now, Michael Cole, you know, is always going to get kind of shit on, but Michael Cole isn't actually a person. Michael Cole is a ventriloquist dummy that Vince McMahon talks through. So when you hear Michael Cole say things like "Alistair Black as Moody," that's Vince McMahon puppeting him from the back, saying, "Tell him to call him Moody." He's who, by busy. all accounts, doesn't watch NXT, so doesn't yes. really know these characters. So he took one look at him and was like, your name's Black. That must mean you're moody. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Again, I mean, the DIY were presented just fine. Um, Ricochet, there's, there's so much more you could do. He was just kind of like, here's some flippy shit, you know? They didn't really tell a lot of the stories of these guys, too. Like, the the whole DIY story, like, of them being ta- being taken apart and stuff like that, they didn't really even fucking touch any of that shit. And it's like, that's the stuff that's entertaining. And I wish, instead of them coming up as DIY, they would have just fucking brought their feud up to, to the main roster, too. Yeah. You know, it was tailor-made for them to continue on, on the main roster. Now, maybe that eventually is the route they go. Maybe they set it up where they win the tag team belts off the Revival, because fuck the Revival. And then they, they eventually split, you know. But we'll see. Um, so unless you've got anything else to say about that. No, that covers it. All right. So we got um, an email. Something that we don't typically get. <laughs> so Is I was very... Picks? Uh, sadly, not this time. Uh. Um, but one of our patrons, um, so of course he gets instantly pushed to the front of the line here, sent us a nice little lengthy email. Now, while Jason continues to get pissed off because my bucks just took the lead again, I'm going to go ahead <laughs> and and read an email from one Mr. Mike Smathers. Hello, hosts. I've got many thoughts about this week's worth of WWE programming, and I don't want to try and put them all into eight phone calls. So here's an email you can discuss or ignore as you wish. Elimination Chamber, a good starter, but I don't get why they tried so many synchronized moves. Sasha Bailey was a nice feel-good moment, considering that what else were they going to get, and Deville Rose were made to look great as well. I was surprised Balor got the win over Lashley Rush, but it was a fun match. At least Balor has some gold to elevate, and hopefully we can get a long run of quality defenses. Strowman vs. Corbin happened, for some reason. Meh. Rousey squash ride for reasons? I am a Rousey mark, but this was some shitty booking. They had a better match uh, on Raw, but this pay-per-view ended at 9.15 Central Time. W could easily have given them 10 minutes to have a pay-per-view highlight. 
Men's Elimination Chamber was spectacular. Brian retaining was obvious, but all of the participants really gave Kobe the rub. I had, hadn't planned on watching this, but forget, forgot to cancel my subscription after Royal Rumble, a surprisingly good pay-per-view. Rob. Uh, that means he brought his subscription back because he canceled he did. it. Yes, he did. He brought it back for the Royal Rumble, I think. Uh, uh, NXT he debuts tonight. Do we need more people to do pull-aparts? Whatever. At least they are people I want to see on the main roster. That's a good line. That is good. And then they had to then they had to go and fuck up my buzz with Strowman vs. Corbin again. Despite this, Raw turned out to be a good show, regardless of the brain-dead audience no-selling. Ricochet and Balor working together was fun. Turn one of them and let them wrestle each other forever. Black vs. Elias was okay. I didn't particularly care for Elias in the ring, and it dampened my spirits with Black's debut. DIY vs. Rival Part 12? I'm all in. Guess the Evans and Heavy Machinery segment was supposed to equal foreplay for Dozovich? The fuck was that about? <laughs> yes, they've just turned into two guys trying to rape a woman at this point. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and, and though the fact that he's just Otis, it still says Dozer on his, jet, on his fucking vest. Yeah, it makes no fucking sense. All right, back to the email. McIntyre vs. Ambrose. This squash was the first time I thought the Ambrose release wasn't a work. And before you shit on it, Jason, my biggest reason for suspecting something is up is that I cannot remember a time when WWE publicly announced that a talent hadn't resigned two months before the contract was up. The aforementioned Rousey vs. Riot match, we should have gotten an elimination chamber. Raw is where we should have gotten the Lynch and Flair crutch beating and let Lynch stand over them as Raw ended, otherwise above average show. SmackDown Live, Shane O'Mac setting up the inevitable rematch at Fastlane against Usos. I'm still not sure who will turn on whom, but I think it's part t- about time we get Shane O'Heel versus the Daddy to be part two. Congrats, Miz. Well, we forgot to say that. Yeah, Miz and Maurice are pregnant again. So congrats to them. Black versus Andrade, money again. Asuka's back. Oh, wait. <laughs> Ricochet versus Young. We get, got to see Sanity on TV again, and Ricochet is a walking highlight reel. He's going to be a top on be at the top sooner rather than later. DIY vs. The Bar was a great match. I'm immensely reveal, reveal, relieved that Ciampa is okay after the powerbomb botch. Three gay workers and Sheamus made a fun match. <laughs> Burn. Three-on-three uh, three main event. It looked like Vince made sure Kofi got another night of push before the inevitable Kofi vs. Brian title match at Fastlane. It's a good match, don't get me wrong, but it never seemed like it was anything else. Issues. One. Why are they calling up more NXT talent when they have no fucking clue what they are doing with the last batch? I will not be happy if these guys get lost in the mix. Two, I guess those touring women's tag team titles don't make, didn't make it NOLA in time for SmackDown. Huh? Okay. Yeah, I know they had the belts. I don't know what, yeah. What was he talking about? I don't know. Make it to NOLA in time for SmackDown. I don't know. I know how much Jason. Oh, likes maybe champion. he maybe he thought because they were gonna they're gonna be on SmackDown, Raw, and NXT every week. Like, I, I guess, yeah. I know how much Jason likes champions getting pinned, so I can't wait to hear about the about what he has to say about the Oscar Rose match for the U.S. title on SmackDown. Still asking for a friend. Thanks again. Talk to you soon, Smathers. Thank you so much, Smathers. That's a great fucking email. Um, so. We're going to segue from that. Um, can I just, can I, so, because Smathers brought it up and we talked about it a little bit when we were running through Elimination Chamber, but we spend so much time as fans and, and, and the internet fans and generation in general bitching and complaining about how it's 50 50 booking and nobody's made to feel special, et cetera, et cetera. 
Here's Rousey being made to feel special, being made to feel dominant, and all we're doing is bitching that she wasn't made to feel like every fucking buddy else and have another 20-minute title defense against an opponent who's not as good as her. Well, I, I don't get the, this is the This is where I have an issue with wrestling fans in general. This is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. Okay, here's what you want. I don't fucking want it now. I wanted it back. Like, stop. Fucking stop. She was made to feel different and special and dominant, and that is what she fucking needed. <coughs> all right. Good. No, go. It's fine. Um, all right. So over on Raw, Drew McIntyre had a chance to main event Mania, but he decided instead, because he got slapped, to face up against Dean Ambrose. Yeah, so, so for those of you who don't know, he's coming in the back. He's talking to Triple H. He said, "Blah blah blah." You know, Seth's not. I want to be. I want a match with Seth. I want the chance to to face Brock Lesnar at Mania. Blah blah blah. Ambrose comes in, and says, "I'm not doing anything. What about me?" Slaps him and walks away. And then Hunter says, "So do you still want that match with Seth?" So he was gonna give him the match with Seth, or do you want me to change it? Change the match. So you just changed a match that would have given you an opportunity to win a championship at Mania. How fucking stupid do you look? Very. Very. But that's that's the way that this weird booking has gone. And, yeah, it doesn't fucking make any sense. And again, this is another one. Of those, sorry, buddy. Uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where you're just kind of looking at it and going, remember when this guy was, like, hot? And everyone was like, he's getting this big fucking push? What happened to that? Because this isn't, this isn't him getting pushed anymore. Well, he did squash Dean Ambrose in like a minute and a half. Yeah, that doesn't actually mean anything at this point. Well, it's still a former WWE champion right there. I guess. I mean, say what you want about him, and I have, but that was a pretty dominant win. Yeah, speaking of dominant wins. <laughs> oh, sorry. There's like 30 seconds left. Never mind. All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Keep counting those chickens. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, three. Yeah, bullshit horseshoe three up your ass. That's... <laughs> All right. So the boss and hugs got their first feud as after after an impassionate speech and a little bit of uh, Bailey pulling out a camel toe, the <laughs> Samoan twat team uh, arrived to remind us again why we can't have nice things. So what do you what do you think about uh, about the first uh, first feud here for our new champions? It was pretty obvious. I mean, it was a logical choice. They're on the same brand, so right off the bat, you get to keep the the focus on Raw, which we know is what Vince wants. And uh, they're the two biggest ones, and Nia sort of can play up the card if I eliminated myself. So all things considered, it made sense. It's nothing special to me. Yeah. It really isn't to me either, and, and again, like I said, I mean, they could potentially have more than one feud here, um, so I kind of hope that they do. I kind of hope that they, you know, because that's what they used to do, um, you know, whenever they had a championship that would go on both brands, was you kind of had, you know, um, a, a little bit of feud on one one brand, a little bit of feud on the other one, or in the case of The Undertaker, you were a face on one and a heel on the other. Um, but yeah, so... All in all, that sh- that that shapes up to be a nice first title defense at Fastlane. Um, hopefully, 
the twat team doesn't get it, but I could understand if they do decide to, to go that route. Uh, I think that you do have a much better time on establishing the title if you have it on two former world champions instead of the former world champion and the daughter of a guy who killed a chick. Um, <clears throat> so, moving right along, we had a three-on-three match uh, at the end of, Sm- of SmackDown, uh, which saw the participants in the um, Elimination Chamber match face off against each other. And because Kofi Kingston was able to get the pin on Daniel Bryan, we now have a match set up for Fastlane. Daniel Bryan's second title defense will be against Kofi Kingston. Yes. So this, of course, was what we were talking about before, where Kofi got his revenge a little bit on Randy Orton, because if you remember, fucking 10 years ago, this was. 10 years ago, Kofi Kingston botched a move in a match against Randy Orton, and Orton audibly said, stupid, stupid, stupid Kofi. So Kofi Kingston uh, hits in this match 10 years later. Kingston uh, takes down Randy Orton, and what do you hear from Kofi? Stupid, stupid, stupid. (laughs) So really cool fucking moment. Great to, to... Obviously, these two guys have buried the hatchet long, a long time ago. But it was still kind of a nice little callback for Kofi. Um, you know, Kofi, again, by all accounts, probably nearing the end of his his in-ring career. Um, just, you know, in terms of, of age. But he's still doing a phenomenal job out there. The guy can still put on a great fucking match. Yeah, I... I... The story that they've told, and this is what we talk about all the time, you can organically and generically build stories with these guys. Um, and that's what they've done here. Kofi has organically become, this was not a planned thing. It just sort of happened, and they lucked into it. And for the first time in a long time, I mean, we talked about Rusev Day, another thing that fell into their laps, and they just sort of bogged, botched it. Um, here is the opportunity to get another thing to happen organically that the fans are behind. And in this particular case, they're fucking running with it and good on them for that. Finally, for finally picking that up. Yeah. No fucking chance he's winning that title, but Hey, more on that when we get to predictions <laughs> in a couple weeks. <clears throat> uh, he's so not yeah. winning it at Fastlane. Now, if it carries over to mania, I definitely see that as a mania moment, but we'll if see. it carries over to mania, then maybe you might be able to convince me. He has a shot. I still firmly believe they are not putting that championship on Kofi Kingston. It's funny. We always say they're not going to do anything significant at Fastlane, and they always do. They usually do. You they honestly it, like, usually do. Charlotte's undefeated streak or pay-per-views ended at a Fastlane event right before Mania to Bailey. Then Owens lost the Universal title to Goldberg right before Mania. So yep. they, they, they do have a history of doing these things at Fastlane. Right. Um, so now we go into some sexy news. As <laughs> this past week, an Instagram post appeared out of nowhere um, from Corey Graves' wife. Um, I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, I was at a wrestling show Saturday night, and this became the buzz in the locker room as we were leaving, as, as news started to trickle out about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, of course, you know, a lot of different articles... Uh, or a lot of different places kind of picked up on it right away because um, so there was a a post where it was a picture of the entire family uh, of Corey Graves' family, his three kids and his wife um, 
and it had the the caption. I'm trying to find the caption right now so I can actually read it to you. Um, <laughs> it's also a great example of sort of jumping to conclusions without knowing the whole story, but we'll get to that in, in, as we continue with the story here. Yeah. Um, so Graves has been with uh, Amy Polinsky for quite some time. Obviously, I have three kids. Um, so here's what she posted, which has since been deleted. Uh, this may be totally below me to do, but I'm hurt. I'm sad. I put 11 years into supporting a man to accomplish his dream only to, for him to punch me in the gut. I've been through suicide attempts, alcoholism, among so much more with him and st- stuck by his side. The kicker is finding out that he's been sleeping with one of my daughter's role models all along, Carmela. And Graves, I hope you guys are happy. I really do. So, so yeah. So that became the buzz. That became, uh, in our host thread as well, we suddenly realized, like, oh, so that's going on. <laughs> um, so then a little bit after that, um, we got some more information where it seemed as if um, Corey Graves might have <laughs> insinuated that she needed to take down her post, otherwise he would uh, <laughs> he would go ahead and sick the WWE lawyers on her. Um, which she did take down the post, so be that as it may. Um, but yeah, so it appears that uh, a lot of people are chalking this up to life on the road, that this is just kind of the shit that happens when you're, you know, surrounded by beautiful people and things like that. I would say that that's not typically how things happen. If you are, um, you know, if you are in a committed relationship and you intend to be, you can go your entire life without ever fucking another person. So, but... Yeah. Um, yeah. Make a rain, motherfucker! <laughs> yeah, well, you know, not every team has the ability to hit someone in the head on the last shot and not get a foul yeah, called. But it's, a, it's a meaningless win. It's not the playoffs. In any event, well, it's not meaningless when you're down six games. Anyway, um, it, it's it's an absolute robbery. In any event, uh, so, yeah, and then you got the biggest problem here is... The story that's come out since this happened is that they've actually been separated six months. Yeah. And Carmella and and Graves were not engaged in a relationship prior to him being separated. So this poor woman literally did nothing fucking wrong. Yeah. She was heckled mercilessly at the pay-per-view. Yeah. She Her, was she's been killed on social media. Yeah. And she did literally nothing wrong. Because this is the fucking world we live in today. Shoot first, ask questions later. Somebody said something on the internet, so I'm going to go and slander someone anonymously because there's no repercussions for me calling her a whore online, so let me go do that. Fuck you. Fuck all of you who did that. Eat shit and die. Yeah. So it does appear that uh, um, Amy was a little upset by how quickly Mr. Graves moved on. Um, you know, I, I don't know. That's not Carmela's fault. No, it's not Carmela's fault. No, not at all. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we, we joked about it 
you know, with, with, we continue to joke about it that Corey Graves, you know, is kind of a scummy grader like that. But we, you know, we understand things now. And we didn't turn around and we didn't blast him on social media or anything like that, you know. We, we're not those people. We don't do that kind of shit. We will instantly jump and make jokes about you fucking somebody else and stuff like that. But I digress. So, yeah, so the issue here, obviously, is that um, the, apparently it wasn't an acceptable amount of time to grieve the loss of your 11-year marriage before moving on to a um, smoking hot woman. But everyone moves on differently. You know, everyone deals with, with grief differently and things like that. So, obviously, you typically don't get separated unless there there's some issues boiling there. This, and you this don't know how long he's been unhappy in the relationship. Yeah. How long like, they've sort of been distant. Like, that. Just stay out of people's fucking lives. Who cares? It's none of your fucking business. Right, his, exactly. His ex made this public, and fuck her, honestly. I I feel bad that she's you know dealing with a divorce, and there's kids involved, and obviously that's terrible, but to take that public, to slander Carmella, like that doesn't speak very well of you as a person either. Well, so not only, not only was it slandering Carmella, but it was also slandering Corey. Because she she took a screenshot of just a, a snippet of the conversation her and Corey were having, which now, given the context of things, you completely understand where Corey's coming from. Because when you when 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 you go into it with what what she showed, and you think, oh, Corey was cheating on her, and he's pissed off about that. The thing of him saying, I'm going to send the WWE lawyers against you. You're going, oh, well, he's just a fucking asshole. But when you go into it knowing like they're separated, and not, and and it's two consenting adults that are doing nothing wrong, then you completely understand why Corey's turning around and being like, "I will send these fucking lawyers at you because I am doing nothing wrong, and I'm not gonna fucking end up like Enzo Amore, right? You know, and that's kind of the issue is like you know, you look at Enzo is is a cautionary tale of what happens when these social justice warriors. And internet sleuths turn around and can ruin your fucking job, you know? And I'm sure with Corey, he's sitting there and going, I've got a lot to fucking lose this. Carmella's got a lot to fucking lose in this. One of which was the fact that she teamed up with somebody who also had gotten into some fucking trouble this past week. So it was a lot of, of issues kind of just just rolling into it. Now, things obviously will, um, you know, kind of roll over. But it's the internet. Those things don't go away. I mean, if you type in Corey Graves, you get Carmella Affair as one of the top fucking Google search results. Right. And it wasn't an affair, technically. You know? Right. Yes, I understand they're still married, but they're separated. They're getting a divorce. Right. You're you're free to go ahead and fuck whoever you want once you have given up on the relationship and moved on. Yeah, exactly. But just fuck the internet, really, is the yeah. takeaway from this. Right. Um, so we're going to move on from that, um, from somebody who also is trying to get a divorce, and that's Ty Dillinger, who's trying to divorce himself from WWE. Now, Dillinger just recently actually got engaged to Peyton Royce, so congratulations to him. Uh, and Good ha, job and, locking that shit down. Yeah, exactly, because holy shit. Um, Especially with that new look she's got going. Got yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. So Dillinger is somebody who has spent, what, 
12 fucking years with the WWE at this point. Uh, he was released and then came back. So I don't know it was, Yeah, but on and, on and off. But a, about a grand total. He's been there at least like fucking seven or eight years. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and a good portion of that spent in developmental hell. Um, you know, to, toiling around FCW, then toiling around NXT for a long time was never really and, given and a Just as he got caught in NXT, just as he was starting to get momentum and steam down there, they pulled him up. Yeah. With, with no plan. Right. Had absolutely no plan just because they wanted to have a pop of him coming out of number 10 of the Rumble. <laughs> and since then, he's been a fucking ghost. And so it makes total well, sense. There were this guy, some segments with our truth. Since then, he's been a fucking ghost. Um, and you know who else was a ghost this week? Our truth, the U.S. champion. That t- title needs to be retired because it is cursed. Um, so, yeah, so um, here's this guy who has been loyal to the company, who's been committed to the company, came back when, you know, for, for a second chance and everything like that continues to do exactly what he's told and finally makes it to where he wants to be on the main roster, not getting super kicked in the face by Shawn Michaels and they don't use him. And they even have a show that he could go to 205 live because he's under 200 pounds, I think. No, and he's still not on there. Correct me if I'm wrong, but my mem- if memory serves me correct, they did start to build a storyline with him and Samoa Joe and then he got hurt. Um, I think so. I think so. But so, so that may just be another case of really bad timing. But again, like I I get that, but at the same time, like we had him wasn't it like him and Andrade were gonna do something because, you know, he's the perfect ten and, C- and Andrade was CN and that never kind of came into fruition. Then there was that whole thing where, yeah, he showed up with R Truth and you're like, okay, well maybe they're gonna make him a tag team. Nothing there either. And even to begin with, I mean, when he was finally called up, we kept asking, where the fuck's Ty Dillinger? Like, you can, you couldn't blame that on an injury. You called him up. And then just didn't fucking book him on anything. So, yeah, I don't know. But either way, um, obviously he has not been granted his release. Although um, his but, post seemed to indicate he would, or he'd been told he would at least. Yeah, it seems like he's kind of... Uh, he's been very open about it, which is brave, you know, because a lot of these other things have been, oh, they rumored to have asked for their release. But he flat out fucking said, like, I asked for my release, you know. So good on him, because then there's there's no question on it. Everyone knows this guy asked for his release. He wants to, he wants out of the company, you know. There's So there's, there's that aspect of it. And then, yeah, it's like, just fucking let the guy go. If you're not going to use him. And and is a guy that he spent so much fucking time in your developmental pro, you know things and stuff like that. Why do you hang on to him? Why are we hanging on to these guys because we're so fucking afraid that they're going to turn around and be main inventors on the in- independent circuit? Why do you fucking care so much? Other than act like you don't, you know? Like I I understand. You know we've talked about it. Like you know you you don't want to you don't want to let certain guys go. Then fucking use them. Right. There's no reason not to use Ty Dillinger. Right. There's no reason not to use Sanity. And if you're not going to use guys like the fucking Ascension, well, fire them. And if, and if you go and follow Dillinger on Twitter, at one point somebody asked him about the possibility of, of him asking to go back to NXT, and he said, I asked and I was denied. Yeah, why? So this guy was willing to go back to developmental where he can be useful. Yeah. Yeah. 
You don't let him go back to NXT. You keep him around for no reason. You're paying the guy. You're paying Tyler Breeze. He's not fucking been seen since his Dean Ambrose loss. Like, why the fuck are why the fuck is this the way we're running this company? It used to be that guys would just get fucking released after a while. You know, we'd see guys get to purchase stuff like that. Well, then fucking JTG survived for two goddamn years, appearing four times in that time. And you're like, why the hell are, is he still employed? You know, and then you, you've got this company that's like selling off shares and stuff like that so they can try to buy everything else. Well, maybe if you, you cut some of these fucking contracts, you wouldn't have to do things like that to, to save a little money. Maybe we could get fucking Pyro back if you just cut the like 30 guys that don't show up on your show every week. Well, and, and it's like the formula is not that difficult. You don't have to have everybody. You don't need Daniel Bryan on every episode of SmackDown. Right. This is what to me makes NXT effective is that you don't see everybody every week. It's special when you get to see them. Yeah. Because they're not there every week. It's something yeah. fresh when they're there. And WWE just it's like, okay, these are the six guys we're focusing on. These are the only guys that are going to be on TV. And yeah. guys like Dillinger suffer for that. Well, and it's also when they turn around and build a, an entire show around somebody. I don't need to see Seth Rollins in six segments. I can, I'm good with just the one. You know, <laughs> like there's there's no need for them to like continue to force things like that. The the multiple times that they've had Seth Rollins searching around for people in the backstage area. Baron fucking <laughs> Corbin. Yeah. How many in, segments is he in in a regular episode? Yeah, you have him in one, and then you use somebody else. That's honestly something that, that they used to be really good about in the Attitude Era, was that they utilized a lot of their talent. And Again, even, say what you want. I've said it on the show before. Say what you want about Vince Russo. But during that run, yeah. mid-card and even lower-card characters had storylines, character development. You had angles. Everything had a build. That was something he was particularly good at. Right. Yeah. So, we're going to move on from underutilized talent to more underutilized talent. Because, finally, Asuka decided to show up to the show that she's a champion of. And she was booked in a match, or a title match, or not a title, in a match, non-title, against Rundown's Platinum Honey, Mandy Rose. And Mandy Rose beat her, which of course, by WWE logic, means that Platinum Honey's getting a title shot. Certainly seems she's on the fast lane to a title match. At fast lane. <laughs> yeah. So the match itself was what it was. I mean, it was it was rather quick. You know, there there wasn't a whole lot of substance to it, but it's understandable that that's. Lacey went for a walk. Yep, she went for a walk again because that's something that apparently is her new thing. At least when Elias was walking around, it made sense because he was the drifter. Right. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah. Ugh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's just... I don't think we really need to even say a whole lot about it at this point. You just look at the context of how the uh, Raw women's title is being presented versus the SmackDown women's title, and it's an embarrassment that WWE is doing it to the SmackDown. And I love Mandy Rose, but she's not ready for this spot. She has no business in this spot right now. Someday, hopefully, but she should you now. And you have Sonya Deville, who's probably more ready for that spot, as her partner, who was out there. Yeah. You know? And and her style kind of meshes a little bit better with Asuka's anyways. 
you know, with the MMA background kind of thing. Yeah. So, but you've also got, you know, other people on SmackDown you could use in this spot too, which again, I'm, I'm fine with them having somebody new, but for yet again to be a wrestler, a pins champion and gets a title shot. Like it's so fucking lazy. Yeah, it really is. But in this case, it's Mandy Rose. So I'm a little bit yeah. okay with it because it means more Mandy Rose on television. Yeah, I mean it's it's Rundown's plan of money. Sure. So, yeah. all right. So it was announced today, actually, that that uh, Roman Reigns was going to be um, coming on Raw, all over it. Just ropes and ropes and ropes of jizz. Uh, but he's going to return to Raw next week um, in order to update us on his battle with leukemia. So the issue here, obviously, is that Roman is not should not be just appearing on Raw after four months. And this feels so much like it's them trying to pop ratings. Um, that it's like obvious that it's them trying to pop ratings and trying to freshen things up a little bit. But if Roman comes back on Raw and he's like, "Yeah, I'm still, I'm still battling it. I'm, I'm still going to be out for a while," then that's ridiculous. That's that's a waste of of him coming back. You want the first time he makes an appearance to be probably a surprise. I mean, so you're completely ruining the surprise. It would have made much more sense if if his music just fucking hit. And, but instead, we're going to have, if he doesn't come out right at the, right at the start of the show, you're going to have it be that we're going to continue to say, later on tonight, Roman Reigns is going to talk about his leukemia, uh, which will be real fucking annoying during Raw. But on top of that, like, like I said, unless he's coming back to say, I'm cleared and I'm ready to return to wrestling, there's no point in him doing this. And, even if he is clear and ready to return to wrestling, this takes all the fucking juice out of his uh, his return. Because, like I said, if you have Roman Reigns return from a four-month absence, it should be a surprise. Because that's going to be the biggest fucking pop that you're going to get. Having him be announced for Raw... But then it won't pop a rating. That's the problem. That's all they're worried about right now. Well, and that's that's what's ridiculous. Is like Is that... They're, they're so concerned with ratings right now that you're going to blow your load on the Roman return. Because Here's the nightmare scenario, right? Because Roman's going to come back, and he, as you said, he's going to get this ridiculously huge pop. And my fear is that they're instantly going to put him in that match with Brock Lesnar, and he's going to get the title back, and people are going to instantly turn on him because they all want Seth to have the title. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, like I said, clearly he's he's returning to Raw to announce he's returning. Because you're, you're not going to announce him back, try to pop ratings, for him to come back and be like, yeah, I'm still, like, riddled with it. <laughs> you know? No, but I could see him coming back and saying, listen, you know, just to get his face on TV. Like, like I said, to me, I wouldn't even have done it here. To me, the moment is Seth wins the title at Mania, Roman's music plays, he walks out, raises Seth's hand, gives him a hug, and that's how you close the fucking show. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, instead we're getting this. So be prepared to spend the majority of Raw having Michael Cole go. Oh, Roman Reigns will be on later to talk talk about how how his battle is going. 
I think it's probably the opening segment, don't you? We'll see. <laughs> it depends on what they're up against. We need to have like an over-under counter on how many times they use the word leukemia on Raw. Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. Hmm. We could do a drinking game. So every time they say the word leukemia, you take a shot. Every time they say big dog, you take a shot. Um, and every time they say WWE Universe during Roman's talk, you take a shot. Because he's going to say it a lot. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens next week. Obviously, you know, keep it locked right here because next week's rundown wrestling. I'm, I'm I got it. Oh no, you did it. Um, <laughs> next week's rundown wrestling episode, episode 387. We will be talking about said announcement. And speaking of announcements, we had some teases that we were going to get some fucking big ass announcements on 205 Live and NXT proper. So we brought up the NXT guys and we talked talked about it on Raw and on SmackDown that NXT had a huge fucking announcement <laughs> that was going to blow people's dicks clean off. And two of five should I use that exact <clears throat> phrasing? But you know, and two of five live was going to have an announcement that was fucking insane. So the two of five live announcement was that yet again we can't seem to figure out how to build anybody. So we're going to do a tournament to see who's going to face off against Buddy Murphy at Mania? Yeah. Mania, yep. Um, now, 205 Live, obviously, um, the tournament style for them has always been has always worked very well. It's what they do well, yeah. Yeah, it's what they do well. Um, and you've got some new guys now, and potentially you have the, the possibility of maybe another new 205 Live wrestler. That they, they could put into the tournament here too. So um, obviously you've got Carrillo. Yeah, that's about Ricochet, right? Uh, he's, I mean, he's potential. <laughs> no, no, they're not going to put Ricochet on 205. No. no, I was thinking more along the lines of um, if they were going to bring, um, you know, who was I? Who was I just thinking about? It was one of the fucking UK guys. Anyway, there, there's a huh? Lagero? Huh? Yeah, maybe. I was just I was just thinking anyone in general they could they could potentially move somebody over to 205 Live, you know, uh, and use this as a way to move them over, um, you know, like Rey Mysterio. Because they're not really doing it's how they got that's how they got Buddy Murphy hot. So yeah, so you know you can move you can you can bring up one of the guys from NXT. You can move somebody over for the show that you're not using, like Ty Dillinger. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> Um, so that, that announcement was, was fine. It, it served a purpose. It was, you know, good. So NXT, obviously you heard yesterday on the show. In the middle of the show, the, they cut over to the announce table and the announcers say, it's coming back. The Dusty Rhodes classic is back and it's going to be eight teams and whoever wins it is going to get a title shot against the War Raiders at TakeOver New York. And after the announcement, I went, well, we knew that was coming because they did it on the tapings and stuff like that. Um, my dick is still attached, so it definitely didn't blow that off. <laughs> and then when the show closed, I realized that was a fucking announcement. That was it. 
their announcement was something that everyone on the internet already knew was happening. And their announcement was to announce the return of a tournament that they've done every time this year. Well, there's one that's, year they didn't do it. Well, that's their big announcement. Like, what the fuck, man? That was like, that was like The Walking Dead being like, you'll never guess who dies. And it's like Tony from Accounting. And you're just like, who the fuck is that guy? We just met him in this episode. That's how big of a letdown this was. You'll never guess who Negan kills. Oh, it's the guy from the comic books you've all read. Same exact yeah. guy. Same exact guy. Yeah, same exact way, too. Yeah. We actually just showed the comic book up to the camera and flipped it for you. <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh, my God. The 205 Live one, like I said, I was fine with. Because... Uh, it, look, know. we don't want to get spoilery here too much, but let, let's... I know, Troy, I know you well enough to know you've read ahead. I read ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, and we're going to have a lot to say as this fucking tournament <laughs> progresses, I think. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that uh, that you're going to be predisposed on Wednesdays for the next couple of hours because, yeah, we're going to have a lot to say. Uh, we might we might have to turn around and, and move NXT Revisited to Fridays until you're back, back available on Wednesday because we've got a lot to talk about oh, on right. thing because this Dusty Road Classic... The first one was tremendous. Yeah. Um, and the second one was okay. And this one seems like a hot pile of garbage. <laughs> They've had three, right? Uh, the third one? I think so, yeah. So first one was uh, Finn and Joe won it. Second one was Authors of Pain. Oh, no, sorry. This is their fourth one. Yeah, because, yep. Uh, the third one was Undisputed Era. Right, it. yeah. Well, well, they weren't actually in the tournament. They just... Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they interviewed between Authors of Pain and Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong. Right. Causing it to obscure. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so your your first tournament, you know, Finn Balor and Samoa Joe winning, you're like, okay, obviously it was a team that was thrown together, but it didn't... It really wasn't for anything, you know? <laughs> <clears throat> Where the the second one, you know, was... Obviously, that was another takeover one, wasn't it? When did they finally make it for the title? Oh yeah, it was it was last year's. They finally made it for the titles. That's right. So yeah, so this one yet again. Now they already announced on the show four teams. Fa- huh? Four teams. Four, four teams. Yep. Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel. Um, trying to think now. Street Profits. Um, Forgotten Sons and Undisputed Era, I think, were the four that they announced. Or was it Lorcan and Birch? Either way, both are in there. Spoiler alert. Uh, and then there's you know three of the teams that that joining as well. Let me tell you, <laughs> we're not we're not gonna get into it. But yeah. Oh, that's right. Um. The the final is on Takeover New York. So when is the title shot then? No, the title shot is at Takeover New York. Oh, this says this says that the final. I almost said who was in it. The final matchup in the tournament was at Takeover New York. So hold on, let me look. Wait, last year you mean? No, this year. Okay, no, no, I'm sorry. It's just Wikipedia is fucked up. Because if you go to the actual page for for Takeover New York, it does actually say the winner of those two against War Raiders. So. Oh no! No, they're both going to be. It's going to be both of them. They're going to have the the final, and then they're going to have the time. Well, that's not very fucking fair to them. 
they got to wrestle a match and then wrestle the War Raiders afterwards. Yeah, I can't see that being what they do. That's what's that's what's booked on on online so far. Well, it's yeah. Well, let's wait and see how it plays out. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So that's pretty much all we can say about that without getting into much spoilers, and we've already gotten pretty fucking close to it. So uh, let's go to our main event. Did you have something else that you want to talk about, or are you fine with this? No, this works. Okay. So um, one of the things that we thought was going to be the announcement was that NXT was going to be a full-fledged third brand. Now, with them, you know, defending championships across the three, with them having the four NXT guys, you know, show up on Raw and SmackDown and be be continued to, it does kind of feel like they're treating NXT as a third brand. Um, I think that a lot of people are still thinking that they are going to be on FS1 um, once, you know, October rolls around. Uh, because there has been a lot of, of like, you know, giggling and, like, little hint, hint, wink, wink that maybe other WWE program was coming to Fox um, and their affiliates. So if that happens, whether it be an hour show or a two-hour show, um, that would mean that WWE is going to have three brands. It also means that um, we might potentially have it where we stop having takeovers and start having all three brands show up at one pay-per-view, which they already have a problem with the two brands showing up at one pay-per-view, fitting everything in. So is this a sustainable model to have three brands? I would argue they already do. I mean, they've they've got their co-brands in Raw and SmackDown, but, I mean, NXT has full-fledged pay-per-view events. They sell out arenas. They have traveling, touring brands. They have their own champions. These titles have been defended around the world. Like, I don't know what it what it takes to be legitimately considered a brand, but I would argue they've been a brand for several. They've had three brands for several years at this point. Well, I think that they have three brands, but I think a lot of people were expecting it to be similar to when they had Ross SmackDown and ECW, where you had it where they all you know kind of showed up on the same pay per view. Um, you had it where they had a lot more interaction. Right now, NXT is very separate from things. I mean, in terms of um, storylines, they're completely kind of separated from things. You don't really get too much of, of you know of the bleeding into things, obviously because it is pre-taped. So if they go live with it, um, which I think a lot of people are hoping that they do, then I think it's a lot easier for them to to kind of mix things together and it, it can be a lot more interesting. The problem is is still going to be that NXT is still taped. So, um, but I think once you get that, you know, not only can you start doing some more things like have guys from Raw or SmackDown show up there and people not talk about it on the internet for three weeks until it happens, uh, but you also don't have to have things like taping different endings to a championship I, match. I you know what though I disagree with that notion because I mean we all lived through. We knew Mankind won the championship before he won it, and it was still one of the biggest pops and highest-rated segments in Raw history. People wanted to see it because they knew something cool fucking happened. So I I don't think that's necessarily a deciding factor. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) So, but, I mean, you know, the, the other thing, too, is, you know, do you make it two hours? Um, you could... 
But you sort of fly in the face of what I said earlier about what sort of makes NXT special is the fact that they don't have the ability to showcase everybody every week. Right. Given that second hour, I sort of feel like you might water down some of these guys. True, true. I mean, you, you create a couple more opportunities for some of these guys on Raw and SmackDown to maybe get kind of shifted over there. Um, but the other thing, if you do make it, you know, like a, a touring brand, um, does that maybe hurt a couple of these guys' development? Because but they're already a touring brand. Yeah, but they still have the the normal shows there. They're still centrally located at Full Sail. Well, no, no. So that's where that's their tapings. That's a television studio. But they do yeah. house shows all around the country. Okay. They are a touring brand. They they are essentially two brands within NXT. There's your, there's your local Florida Loop brand where they have yeah. sort of the the developmental kids, the ones they're really trying to bring up. And then you have your touring brand where Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. Okay. Those guys go. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So I think the bottom line on that is that you know they're already sustaining it. Um, if you were, to, if you only... were to, hypothetical, if you were yep. to pick one Raw, one SmackDown man to go down to NXT, and one woman from the main roster to go down to NXT, who would you pick? To go to NXT full time? Yep. Like a shakeup situation. If I were to do a shakeup, um, I would say uh, somebody realistic. I mean, obviously you could say Roman Reigns, but that's not a realistic. Oh thing. no, no, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking realistic. Um, I would say Fandango. Okay, so you would break up the tag team. Yeah. Okay. Well, see, that's good. I mean. No, maybe maybe I would swap that. Maybe I would keep Fandango up there because I think he has more potential as a singles guy and move Tyler Breeze back down to NXT. Okay. Um, I would say, obviously, Dillinger, but if he's kind of out of the question because he's, he's probably getting fired soon. So, Shinsuke. Okay. Because they're not, they're not doing anything with him, and I think that he would, you know, he'd be able to bring some eyes over there. Uh, but in terms of women... There's there's the joke answer I could say with Nia Jax because she needs more time, um, but boy, Asuka, honestly, would she drop that title because she she's not getting any respect on the main roster, okay. you know? So, but there's there's a there's a, a lot of people. I mean, Dana Brooke I think could use some time down there and and could definitely develop more of her character and stuff like that because she's been unutilized. Um, you know, maybe um, the Riot family could get a little bit more time down there and, and, you know, really develop themselves into a force, especially if they're going to bring up the the, the four horse ladies. They're going to need maybe another stable down there. Um, obviously, like, the Ascension would be very good guys down there for, you know, tag teams and stuff like that. Let me, uh, throw, because... an- let me throw another name at you that you didn't bring up. Okay. Mike Bennett. I think would benefit greatly from being down in NXT. I think he would be a top guy down there. I think I, th- I think it hurt him going straight to the main roster. Agreed, hundred yeah. percent. Because AJ Styles had a lot more people who knew him, and he had AJ Styles has that thing. So him debuting on the main roster made total sense, right? Because he was he was a star when he walked out there. Mike Bennett felt like an NXT guy that they brought up, yeah. you know, where people just didn't really know him. They knew Maria, 
but you know that wasn't enough. So yeah, I I think that uh, all in all, I think Mike could go down there and you know even if you do kind of a storyline like they did with like you know Sammy and stuff like that, like the redemption shit, yeah. you know. He definitely would be a, a prime candidate for that. Or even when they were doing uh, for a while when um, Curtis Axel went down there and he's like, I want a piece of this or that like that. You know, that makes sense. Tyson Kidd did the same thing. He kind of went down there and, you know, worked things out for a while and became a bigger star because of it. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that could be definitely beneficial. Curtis Axel, I think, is another guy that would fit that role nicely. Yeah. I would love it if Bo Dallas went back there again and returned to his old Bo Leave character. <laughs> It didn't work, it, though. It, it, uh, it worked in NXT. That's the only place it worked, though. Yeah, which is why I'm saying it'd be fine if he was... Uh, Apollo Crews is another guy who definitely could use some more time. That's now. a good pick, too, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You know, there's some other guys that, like, just wouldn't work. Like, nobody's cheering for Titus O'Neil down there, <laughs> you know? I don't, It's hard to tell, though, because a lot of times they, they do pop for those main roster guys that come down. We do yeah. see that a lot. Yeah. But I think, um, you know, about, even... Har- see, see for, in terms of women, I, I think Mickey James could do a lot down there, sort of as a player coach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think she'd be great in that role down there. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, she'd be really good. Um, she's just trying to think of some of the other people that they have there. Alicia Fox? Uh, I mean... I think, Dana, she... I think Dana Brooks is a great one. I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah. That's a good, really good one. Um, right. Natalia, I think, for all we we should honor, I think she could be very useful for the the young women down there. I think I think it might be time for Natalia to transition into a coach down there, anyways. Yeah. So, you know, because she's not she's not getting anything where she's at right now. So, all right. Yeah. All right. So unless we've got anything else, no. Nope. All right, let's take a look at what's going on in the independent circuit. Lucky Pro Wrestling returns on Saturday, February 23rd, with Homecoming Rampage from the Clinton Alex Lodge in Clinton, Mass. LPW champions photo op in the ring before the show, included with the price of admission. Each ticket ordered online comes with one free autograph from a past event. I still have no idea what that means, but order a ticket to get an autograph from a past event. I don't fucking get what a, from a past event is. Um, tickets are available at luckyprowrestling.com slash homecoming single tickets $15 a piece or get a family four pack for just 50 bucks it is the return of the over the top rope lucky lottery rumble the winner will receive the opportunity knocks contract that gives the winner a title match at any point of their choosing scheduled to appear LPW champion Earn Vicalo with Jillian Lay LPW sorry LPW tag team champions of the bitter club LPW hard knocks champion Randy Shaw LPW Women's Champion Adira, Makua with Brian Cairo, Alicia Edwards, our most recent guest, the retrosexual Anthony Green, Robo the Punjabi Lion, Shay Cash, uh, Omaha Stakes Champion. What's Who's the Omaha Stakes Champion? I think that's actually Robbie the Giant, not Robo. Oh, is that Robbie the Giant? Yes. Well, see, because of the fact... Well, th- this is going away after the show anyways. <laughs> uh, Sweatboy Christopher James, Kellen Thomas, Danica... Johnny Ann Logan, so, so much more. I didn't realize that was back-to-back. ICW, Milwaukee's own R-rated pro wrestling promotion, heads to the Lapika Lounge for the Insanity Crusade 2. Sunday, February 24th. VIP doors open at 3 p.m. VIP bonus bell time is 3.15 p.m. 
Doors for non-VIPs open at 3.45 p.m. and 4 p.m. bell time for all the rest of you slobs. Uh, ringside VIP is sold out, but you can still get second and third row VIP for just $25. General mission is $20. The Insanity Crusade 2, Let There Be Light Tubes. The ICW alternative title match in a light tube palooza match as the ICW 2018 MVP Oren Veet takes on different boy Jimmy Lloyd. A fans bring the weapons match takes place between Marcus Crane and Schlack. Uh, a winner... <laughs> That's the only reason I put this on here. The winner enters the Insane 8 Tournament Barbed Wire Ropes Barbed Wire Ladder Match as Dan O'Brien takes on Chase McCoy. Because barbed wire ropes weren't enough. We were like, fuck, you know, we got barbed wire ropes, but we got all this extra barbed wire. What the fuck else? We can make a ladder out of it. Yeah. And anything goes, falls count anywhere match. That's right. Just that. Is the hipster heartthrob Casanova Valentine takes on Mickey Heckin' Wild. An ICW Total Elimination Tag Team Match. Total Elimination as in every one of them are going to be dead. The Marman and Stacey Shadows take on the League of Extraordinary Wrestlers, Derek St. Holmes and Aesop Mitchell. They also take on the Bear Club, Oso and Hernandez, who are the champions. And Caribbean Arrogance, Manny and Chuko. The ICW World Title will be on the line as Joey Jet Avalon takes on Tyler Sullivan. The ICW Midwest title is on the line as GQ Giannis takes on Kyle Pro. And a six-way elimination match for the number one contender for the Midwest title sees the, the Infinity Jack Moody versus Riley Jackson versus Birthday Boy Jack Blackwell versus Sierra versus Rico de la Vega versus a mystery entrant. So you can, only, you can only be Birthday Boy one time a year. Like, you got to have uh, a different moniker the rest of the year. I guess. A VIP bonus matches at 3.15 are the Foley Bros and Simon Says with Mrs. Says as they take on Resort Life, Captain Spicoli, De La Sambra, and Andrew O. Dickens. There will also be a gauntlet, a gauntlet match as Zach McGuire, Just Jake, and Kaz Carter take on Stonehenge with Jason J. AC Rally with Val Malone takes on Doc Simons. And Drake Daniels makes his ICW debut versus Blazin' Benjamin. And, boy, you don't get to talk at all. You can do the last one. <laughs> Wait. Oh, no. Wait, there's one more. Never mind. Uh, the stars of Bruce City Wrestling return to the Elks Lodge in Waukesha, Wisconsin on Friday, March 22nd with March Meltdown. Bell time is 7.30 p.m. <laughs> Doors open at 6.45. Tickets are ringside $20 in advance. $16 purchased on BruceCityWrestling1.com using PayPal or $18 at the door. Then stay after... And stay after for the after party with us at the Elks Lodge. Family fun for all ages. After the show is the after party. Sorry. Yep, I was waiting for that. Already signed. Former BFFs collide as the Beer City Bruiser takes on Nick Colucci. Right. See, Beer uh, City Bruiser has a new BFF. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Bruce City Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship is on the line as the bearded bruiser Max Holiday takes on dysfunction. More fan money matches will be announced soon. Go to BruceCityWrestling1.com. Uh, like him on Twitter at BCB1 and on Instagram at City Wrestling. I see that you changed that. Are you just not doing any reads today? Or? Uh, no, I, just, I figured you were on a roll. I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, Liberty States Wrestling and Ring of Honor star The Kingpin Brian Malonis are partnering with the Pinkerton Academy class of 2019 to bring pro wrestling back to Derry, New Hampshire. On Saturday night, March 30th, 2019, you'll see the stars of Liberty States Wrestling plus 
some very, very special guests. Tickets for Astromania are on sale at astromanialsw.com. General admission floor seats are $20. General admission bleachers are 15 And if you get advanced tickets, you also get early admission on show day. So far announced for the show, Ring of Honor superstars The Bouncers, Brian Malonis and The Beer City Bruiser. Pinkerton Academy graduate, the unequaled one, Todd Sopel, Liberty States Wrestling heavyweight champion, Vern Vicalo, the Mill City Hooligans, Chase Del Monte and the Logan Brothers, Robo the Punjabi Lion, Cam Zagami, fabulous Johnny Vegas, not America's sweetheart, Davy N, Sutherland with Vanity Vixen, the Widow Belmont, Nico Silva, that guy, Scotty Slade, and many, many more. That does it for the rundown for this Thursday, February 21st. You can follow us on Twitter at Brew at, Jesus Christ, at Rundown Podcast. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling. Email us, show your dick pics via Rundown Wrestling at gmail.com. Um, getting a phone call at 10 o'clock at night. Lovely. Uh, go to Instagram.com slash Rundown Wrestling and I guess like us on there. Leave us a voicemail at 617-863-6967. That's 61 Rundown 7. We're on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling to become a patron. Just send out a bunch of awesome swag, uh, some stickers, a magnet, and yeah. Um, that's just for you $10 lovers out there. Uh, $20 gets you a t-shirt. Check out our website, rundownwrestling.com, uh, for information on all of our great shows such as the Nitromania podcast, Hurry Up and Cruiserweight, Making a Grade, NXT Revisited, ROH Dishonorable Discharge, and WrestleMania Salvation. Of course, you can also go there and vote in the Rundown Wrestling Network's Hottest WWE Female Talent Tournament. Listen to our friends, the Kingpin Brian Malonis and Mike Crockett on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing with new podcasts every Monday. Go to facebook.com slash thewpn or thewpn.com. You can check out our friend Justin Michaels on his show Yes on Waltz. Go to yesterlandwaltz.com. Or watch on your Roku through the RNTV app or the 24-7 Retro app. You can follow us. <laughs> yeah, nice. You can follow us on Twitter, us hosts that is, at JStewart0920, at RockstarTroy, and at JohnnyAnalog. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Jason, my love, my life, my endless love. Thanks, Troy. It was uh, good, good to get on here tonight, especially after we separated last night. I know, I know. It was it was a rough one. Next week, we continue to pleasure ourselves to pictures of beautiful women. So I guess that means we'll see you next Thursday. Bye bye. This has been a production of the Rundown Wrestling Network. If you are interested in having your podcast join the Rundown Wrestling Network, please email us via rundownwrestling.com. Oops, run on wrestling at gmail.com. One take for more information. Thank you for listening.